Are you ready? Just one time, make a Baptist boy happy and shout, Life beyond limit. Grab your Bible, turn it to the Gospel of John, Matthew's Messiah, Mark's Wonder Worker, Luke's Son of God, John's Son of Man, John chapter 10. And we're going straight to verse 10. I wanted to, I wanted to mess around a little bit with you in verses 1 through 10, but I dare not do it. That's a door I'll go in and never get out. So I'm, I'm going to start right here at John chapter 10 and verse 10. Hear what your Bible says. The thief. Now I got to stop right there. I know I wouldn't get any further than that. I'll stop right there and parenthetically insert. We know who the thief is. Somebody tell me up in this church who the thief is. Do you know that? Are you sure of that? Well, John chapter 10 verses 1 and 2 tell you that. It tells you that the thief is one who comes in any other way than by the door. Christianity is the only religion in the world that boasts a virgin womb at one end and an empty tomb at the other. And because of that, we know that Jesus came in through the bloody flanks of a 14-year-old virgin girl. You say, why is the virgin birth, is it absolutely essential to faith? I'm going to answer that for you. As if I thought you didn't know. The virgin birth is absolutely essential to faith because if you put your trust in anything else other than he that came from heaven down, that blood is tainted. We have exalted men so high and, ex uh, men so high and brought God so low that it's been very difficult to tell the difference. Here's what I believe. If we hadn't exalted men so high, they couldn't have fallen so far and we would not have been so disappointed. The virgin birth, shout it, the virgin birth is absolutely essential, say it, to my faith in God because the thief comes in some other way. If it didn't, if it didn't come through that womb, you must have no faith in it because it has no authority in the earth. Jesus had anointing because he was the Son of God, but he had authority because he was the Son of Man. Every bit as much man as God, every bit as much God as man. Not humanity deified, not deity humanized. All God, all man. Had it not come through the womb of that woman, he would have had no authority on the earth. That's the reason we can proudly proclaim Satan has no authority here. Because to have authority, he's got to have a body. And somebody tell the devil right now, I'm off limits. Come on, no room for the devil, no vacancy. Your Bible says, give him no place, no space limited by occupancy. That's the reason your Bible said, be not drunk with wine, where's in excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because when you're full of the Holy Spirit, there is a no vacancy sign on your life. And if the devil can't find a body to operate through, he has no authority here. Somebody give God praise and glory. So, the thief. <laughs> no, I can't preach. Got to teach. Go sit down. The thief. Here's what your Bible said. Hear what it says today. If the thief, you talk about on your way to life beyond limits. If the thief be found, he shall restore seven times everything he's stolen. Now somebody that lost something shout it's on its way back. 
shall put it back. I dare you to throw both hands up right now and put your hands wide open and say it's on its way right now. The victory I lost is coming back. The power I lost is coming back. The family I lost is coming back. The money I lost is coming back. Stomp your foot and shout, put it back. All right. The thief cometh not. Now that doesn't mean he's not coming. He is coming. Your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion, roaming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. The thief cometh, not but for to shout it, identify it, and, and get ready to shout because I hear resurrected on the victory side of an empty tomb. Our Canaan king, who has invaded the underworld, defeated Satan, come back up out of hell with the keys of death, hell, and the grave locked to his girdle, riding across the sun-baked walls of the devil's perdition. Free at last! Free at last! Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. For Jesus declares, I am Come that you may have life and that more abundantly. Somebody on your way to life beyond limits, shout now. Allow me to preface my remarks to you today as I did last week. But just simply say it, that I believe the world has been lying well and the church has been telling the truth badly. Let me remind you today that everything in the kingdom of God of which you are now a part is diametrically opposed and mutually exclusive to everything in the kingdom of this world. On the one hand, you have the church, the body of Christ, where for far too long, men and women of faith have settled for far too little and are therefore living lives today below the opportunities which have been granted them by a loving and benevolent Father God through His covenant promises which are recorded in the Bible. Many Christians feel that the words abundant life are really nothing more than phraseology to conjure up in their mind a distant dream of playing harps in white robes, floating on puffy clouds, <laughs> dipping and dangling their feet in a calm brook somewhere in the corner of glory land in the afterlife. While their everyday life could be better described by words like mm, drudgery and boredom and weariness. A miserable spectacle over which, if they could, the angels of heaven might hang their heads and weep. And on the other hand, you have the world or the system of the world or those who are outside the covenants of God's promise. And on the other side of the John 10, 10 dividing line where the E Entertainment Network. Oh, that got a rise. And uh, MTV. And uh, HBO. And Sin to the Max. present celebrities and sports stars living lavish lives of apparent, albeit counterfeit, success. They're the ones that look happy. They're the ones that look like they're having all the fun. They're the ones that look like they got all the money. Just watch MTV Cribs and nobody asking the rappers where they got the money. (laughs) 
Make no mistake about it as the prodigal son discovered the husk that the swine ate cannot satisfy the hunger of the human spirit that is searching for life beyond limits no matter how delectable nor digestible those husks may be made to appear. It's against this backdrop then that an impoverished world flounders for solid footing as it founders in the folly of sin's rising tide. If the Bible and its promises are only good for when we all get to heaven, where you at? I'm going to have to get me a can band. Get it on CD. What a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. I'm looking for pie in the sky. I want to go to heaven. I just don't want to go today. Okay, everybody that wants to go today, line up. (laughs) If it's only good, for the sweet by and by, and it's no good for the here and now and the everydayness of where you're living every moment of every day, then the question that should be asked is why should we struggle to follow biblical precepts in this lifetime? But if those biblical precepts are applicable to our present situation, and there's overwhelming evidence they are, then let us rather ask, how can those biblical principles be applied in a manner that brings help to our hurting souls? Healing to our rocky relationships, hope to our imperiled households, or for today's discussion, How can determining to live through the power of the Holy Spirit as our guide and the Bible as our instruction manual produce life beyond limits? Abundant life means life sufficient in quantity but superior in quality. Life as God has life. Life as God has freely given that life to all of us. Abundant life is that force that energized the words, let there be light. That life that I'm speaking of today is the same power that invaded the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea and raised to life again the three-day dead body of the Prince of God. Listen, when you accept Jesus Christ, you do not get some third watered-down version of God. You get the same Spirit that raised up Christ from the dead, living in intermediate agency on the inside of your human spirit. I just wonder, I I just wonder what you would really reach for. What you would really reach for if you knew you could maintain mastery in every situation. What would you aspire to accomplish if you were certain of victory in every arena? What would you dare to do if you were released from the fear of failure? Let me encourage you that God's word declares to us today that it is time and high time listen to this preacher boy to stop focusing on our failures touch your neighbor and say stop it and I mean now it's time to not only stop focusing on our failures it's time to stop remembering our regrets and you need to tell your aunt Sadie that calls you seven times a week talking about all her trouble. You need to tell your neighbor that constantly wants to talk to you about their trouble. You need to tell that complaining husband of yours that don't want to do anything but talk about trouble. You need to turn the evening news off if all they can do is talk about trouble. Because I got to find me somebody up in here today that realizes it's time to stop talking about our trouble. Trouble. 
because it really is time, isn't it? It's time to enjoy the journey. Touch somebody and tell them, enjoy this journey and discover life beyond limits. Jesus strolled into a situation in John chapter 11 and verse 18. It records some words similar to these. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And Martha and Mary, many of the Jews, came for to comfort them concerning their brother Lazarus. But Martha, as heard soon as she heard Jesus was coming, ran out of the house to meet him. But Mary sat still in the house. And Martha said, Lord, if thou hadst been here, our brother would not have died. Nevertheless, even now, somebody got to have some even now faith. Even now, whatsoever you ask the Father, he will give it unto you. And Jesus said, your brother shall rise again she answering saith I know he'll rise again at the resurrection in the last day Jesus answering saith unto her I am the resurrection I am the life he that believeth in me though he were dead yet shall he live and whosoever liveth and believeth in me do I have any people like that shall never Die, And then the riveting question, believest thou this? Last week, we asked you, what is the greatest hindering force to life beyond limits? We found out what it was, didn't we? What was it? It's death. It's death. But your Bible says, oh, death. Where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? That angel said, weep not, for I know whom thou seekest. Jesus, which was crucified, he is not here. He is risen, as he said. This is the apex of our hope in God. This is the crown jewel of our faith. The resurrection, the unanswerable demonstration of the profoundest fact concerning Jesus Christ. His grave is not significant because like Martin Luther, he's laying in his grave. Or like Martin Luther King Jr., he's laying in his grave. Or like um, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, who's lying in his his grave his grave in Jerusalem is significant not because of who is there but because of who is not there he's alive he broke the bondages of death and if he broke the bondage of death everything else must bow its knee because death is the king of hindrance to life therefore it is time for you to live life beyond limits First Corinthians 13, 13 says, Now abideth faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. These are the three principal graces of God. Graces are greater than gifts, greater than tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, discerning spirits, wonder-working faith, the working of miracles, the gifts of healing. These three graces, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. We talked about that last week. Love beyond limits. But today let's talk about faith. Let's talk about that intangible substance called faith. Faith is so vitally important. After all, your Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Mark eleven twenty two to 24 says, have faith in God. For truly I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things that he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. Not only is it impossible to please God without the primary grace of faith but with it without it you can't please God with it you can move a mountain 
So it's imperative for us, isn't it, in our quest for living beyond limits to discover how we can obtain faith and then be blessed by the revelation of what this priceless commodity called faith that stopped the mouths of lions, that quenched the violence of swords will do for you in the everydayness of where you live right now. Faith comes three ways. The first and most familiar is Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It seems a little obscure. I understand. So let me help you by offering this illustration. If you ask me if I have faith, my first question will always be faith in what? Or faith in whom? Generally, the question involves faith in God. So my next question would then, of course, be, what did God say? In order to have faith in God or faith in anyone else, I have to first know who said and what they said. Only then can I exercise faith because only then will I know what kind of commitment the object of my faith has made. That's the reason. It's so vital for us to know what God said because if we don't know what God said, it's impossible for us to have faith in his word. Another principle you need to remember is that faith grows. Say that with me, faith grows. What does that mean? It means it doesn't come fully developed. It literally increases as we have more and more and more experiences with God. As I've said so many times, God will never demand faith beyond our experience with him. God didn't ask Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac until Abraham had walked with God for many, many years. Abraham's faith had to grow to the point that he could make such a commitment. But when the time came, he made that commitment willingly because of his past experiences where God had time and time again proved his faithfulness. Now, my pastor and friend, the late great Dr. Lester Sumrall, put it this way. You can't believe God for a seven-tiered, tier, three-tiered wedding cake until you believed him first for a donut. Let me stop right here. Don't ever try to exercise your faith when you're told your body is eaten up with cancer until first you fought the battlefield of a sinus cold. I ain't getting no help up in here. Mm, I'm going to have tune for you. Get your weight now. Did you hear me? You see, the first thing you do when you get a headache is grab the Excedrin, the Advil, the Tylenol, the Motrin, the Ibuprofen. When the first thing you should grab is Isaiah 53, 5. He was wounded for my transgressions. Yea, God bruised for my iniquity. The chastisement of my peace was laid upon him. And with his stripes, I am healed. You have to exercise your face. Let me encourage you. Walk with God. Walk with him every day. Listen to his word. Listen to his word preached and faith will come. Hear his words in song and faith will grow. Speak that word aloud in your home and faith will increase until faith in God will virtually become second nature to you and victory will become your everyday experience as you live a life beyond limit. The second way faith comes. It's released into your life by something we call impartation. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 6 says, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Timothy was just a young preacher boy, an understudy of the, apostle, the great apostle Paul. Timothy came from, Sister Helen Baylor, what I call a household. Of faith. You talked about it this morning. It seems to have all begun as it so often does with his grandmother. I want somebody like me that had a praying grandmother. Wave your hand around. 
Virtually every one of us is the byproduct of a praying grandmother. And if you didn't have a praying grandmother, chances are very good you had what he had next. His mother Eunice, who was a praying mother. If you had a praying mother or a praying grandmother, wave your hand around. Now what I want you to do is put the other hand up beside it and confess, I'm going to be a praying parent. I'm going to be a praying grandparent. We can't leave this generation behind. Although nobody inherits faith, having a godly heritage can cause you to have a great advantage because of your ability to trust God. It has been nurtured, you understand, by seeing the fruit of faith displayed in your home. Ah, God, I want to preach right here. We need some mamas that the first thing you do when your baby gets sick is not run to the phone and call the doctor. The first thing you got to do is grab that Bible, get that oil. I don't care if all you got's Crisco. Find yourself some oil, slap it on that forehead and say, I believe God. When fever tries to come in your house, walk out to the door your house anoint the doorposts and the little and say no evil thing is going to transgress over this boundary you see paul transferred by impartation to timothy some of his own highly developed mature and seasoned faith it's not the first time that we see it happening god commanded moses to lay his hands on joshua so some of the faith let me get over here where brother summerall put his hands on me when moses was told by god put his hands on joshua that is so that the faith so that the confidence in god that moses had would be transferred into joshua's life deuteronomy 34 9 tells it now joshua was the son of none filled with the spirit of wisdom because moses laid his hands on him so the israelites listened to him and did exactly what the Lord had commanded let me give you a word of caution don't run around letting everybody and their brother lay hands on you Because if good stuff can get transferred, homosexual spirits can get transferred. Lesbian spirits can get transferred. Lying spirits can get transferred. Spirits of wickedness and witchcraft and weariness can get transferred. When you accept Jesus as your savior, in that moment of moments, when through his forgiveness you pass from death to life we hear this preacher as a birthday gift to you god the almighty and your father presents to you as a present a measure of faith romans 12 3 tells of the unspeakable gift for by grace the grace given me i say to every one of you not to think more highly of himself than he ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with, hear it, the measure of faith which God has given to you. What a thought. What a revelation. What a glory. Faith is a gift from God. I need to mention one more thing concerning the attributes of faith. Faith is not a noun. I'm going to say it again. Faith is not a noun. Faith is a verb. <laughs> Faith demands action. James knew all about it. 
James 2.26, faith requires action and God always responds to faith. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. If you need friends, mm, uh, here's a staggering thought. Be friendly. (laughs) If you want attention, give attention to somebody who normally doesn't receive it. If you desire greater financial independence, sow a seed. You can do something to put your faith into action. Your Bible promises that every one of us is given something to do that proves who God is. How many of you would like to live like that? When faith comes, everything in your life changes. Like water to wine, your life takes on excitement that, believe me, is beyond limits. As I often say, life without faith is the recipe for absolute boredom. Today, I want to illustrate what we have in Christ by sharing with you an acronym. Get your notepad now. I'm going to teach you now. I've already preached. The acronym is LIFE. L-I-F-E. You got it? L-I-F-E. The first and most remarkable thing that we receive from God as a result of salvation is new life. Shout it. What do we receive by faith? Before we accepted Christ, we were in the biblical sense, D-E-A-D, dead. That is separated from God. John chapter 17 verse 3 says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Our guest and my friend today, Helen Baylor, knows what it's like to be separated from God. Come on, Helen, and join me. Tell her you're proud she's with us today. She knows what it's like to be separated from God. She knows what it's like when the power of God finds you again. Helen, I love you so much. Thanks for being with us. Give me a big old hug. Do it that way because I'm perspiring. <laughs> just have a seat. I want you to take just a minute and I want you to share with us what you shared with us a little earlier. By age... By age 24, 25... I was living in North Hollywood, California, had been singing for many years in secular music and found myself hooked on drugs by the time I was 18. So for 12 years, I was getting high every day. And then by the time 24, 25 years old, I was living in sin in North Hollywood, California with a man that was selling drugs. And uh, I was doing as much drugs as he could sell. So I was just messed up. He was messed up. And I had met him on the road um, with one of the rock concerts. He was with one of the groups, and I was with Shaka Khan and Rufus, and he was with a group called Heat Wave. And, and everybody would look at you and say, oh, my goodness, you're just oh, riding the high life of success? Oh, yes. Money, big time, success. Affluence, all the drugs uh, you wanted. All the drugs I wanted. To keep you numb. To keep me numb. But you had a praying? Yes, a praying grandmother. <laughs> yes, I did. I did. Her name was Minnie Hudson, and she lived to be 101 years old. She went to be with the Lord uh, two years ago. Mm -hmm. Now, Helen, you came to the Lord, but then you got away from the Lord. And I'm told that our breakthrough broadcast had something to do with getting your life back on track. Well, what happened was, to, to wrap it up real quick and get to where we need to be in this story, I married the drug dealer that I was... You know, I married him, but he didn't get delivered from drugs like I got delivered from drugs one night watching Christian television, and I was totally delivered and set free. He was still, for three years, he didn't want anything to do with God, and then when he finally did get saved, he never really renounced a lot of things. So we were married, 
and trying to make this marriage work. God began to open doors for me. I was working at my church at Crenshaw Christian Center. I was a, a letter analyst, a tape duplicator. I went from making $600 an hour to $625 an hour, but I was sold out for Jesus and I wasn't going back. I was delivered from, from all kind of uh, abuse and, and all kind of things and I was on my way with God and I was believing God for my husband to, to do the same thing. Well, he developed, and he's here, and he doesn't mind me sharing this. He developed a way to, to put on a front and to make people think that he was living the life. Well, we were traveling, and I was singing by then, and God took us all over the world. I had my songs out and lifting up the name of Jesus and, Can You Reach My Friend? And people just loved us. I'm free from drugs. But his mind wasn't made up yet. But I didn't know it. Then one day... The door opened up where I saw he had slipped back. And I had to make a choice, Pastor. And I said, you know, you got to come with God and get delivered and set free and you got to come clean or you got to let the back door hit you. Well, that's how it was. That's how, you know, I'm trying to be cute right now, but you know what I'm saying. Come on with it. And so I tried to call and get prayer and everything and tried to get him counseling and get us counseling because I was a mess too, you know, living in the house with the devil. Uh-huh. Okay, the devil was in that house. And I'm singing praise songs and then going back to the hotel and acting a fool. I said, something's wrong. So when I asked him to leave, he left. He didn't want to get help. So he left. But I knew it wasn't a belief. I knew he was a believer. And the Bible says, if the unbeliever depart, let him depart. But he was my husband, and he was sick. You talking now. And I said, the devil ain't having this marriage. We've been in this thing for 16 years. Devil ain't having this. Uh-uh. No. I've been taught the word of faith. I've been taught how to pray and believe God, and faith has come. I said, we can have some faith. So immediately, I went into prayer. I called different people. I called friends. I called some of the wrong people because they told all my business and they wasn't interested. Come on, I'm just telling the truth. And um, I was calling different people. I called different prayer lines, different ministry prayer lines. And, you know, it was keeping prayers, keeping prayers because I, I almost lost my mind because I didn't know he had went back to doing crack. He doesn't mind me telling y'all this. He had went back to smoking that pipe and that wasn't going to work. It could two have to be in agreement to walk together. Come on now. So anyway, one day I was watching you on TV by myself. Now James wasn't talking to me. He didn't want to be bothered. He just wasn't serving no Lord and he was going to go on and do. He was on the East Coast and I was on the West Coast. I was watching your show and I had prayed a lot. But this one day, it was like the Holy Spirit said, call that prayer number at the bottom of that screen right there. I called the prayer line and I told the lady I was not embarrassed. I said, this is Helen lifting up the name of Jesus, Bela. They came to me, you know, they came to me that day. They you brought kidding. that old thing over there and said, Pastor, Pastor, I didn't know that. Said, you know, Helen Bela is on the phone. You're kidding. I said, do she want to come sing? She said, no, she want prayer. And Pastor, let me tell you, she was so cool. She didn't let me know that she knew. Let's thank God for our breakthrough prayer Come partners. On. Man in those phones, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But Pastor, let me tell you, she prayed a prayer. That when I hung the phone up, I knew in my knower that it was done it was done this was in March this was in March 1998 we had been separated for six months and I and I knew it had to be God and she prayed a prayer with authority and when she got off the phone and I hung up I knew I got up out of my chair I said it's done it's a done deal two weeks later James called and God had done a work in his life and he said you know if I if you'll let me come back I said I want you to come home we've been praying for you we've been praying I'm not letting the devil now if you want to come back and then and then you decide that you don't want to do this but you coming back 
So come on back at the prayer that the lady prayed here at your ministry. I never will forget it. I got chill bumps right now thinking about it. She blessed me so and hung up the phone and she said, go in victory. I said, yes, ma'am. You know what I'm saying? Let's give God praise. I want you to thank the incomparable Helen Baylor for sharing that testimony, but I want you to thank Jesus for giving us life beyond limits. Let me tell you how you get life beyond limits, and I want you to turn around as you're seated and tell somebody, you must be born again. Your Bible says you are not born again by the will of the flesh. You are not born again by the will of men. You are not born again by the will of the flesh, not by the will of men, but nor of bloods, meaning you can't get this from your parents. They can pray for you. You must be born again. The first thing we have, here's what I like. Here's what I like. If any man be in Christ, I got to find somebody that knows you're in Christ. If any man be in Christ, old things, old things, hatred and envy, old things, sedition and heresy, old things, poverty and sorrow, old things, separation and anxiety, old things are passed away and all things are become new somebody shout and thank god for new life in christ now the second word in the acronym life is identity God created you and me in his image and after his likeness. In other words, man was created to be like God. We know that God is a spirit. Here's the thought that would make even a Baptist boy like me just go, thank you. Man's spirit, man's spirit, my spirit, shout my spirit. Lay your hands on your belly and shout my spirit. Came directly from God. Job said there is a spirit in man. The breath of almighty that gives him understanding. Therefore the primary aspect of your triune being is your spirit. We were created in God's image. According to your Bible, God has three distinct parts. Personalities. Agreeing perfectly in one. God the Father. God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. Of course, that's what we commonly refer to as the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God is a triune being, so if we're created in God's image, wouldn't it stand to reason we are a triune being? Spirit, soul, and body. Man is a spirit, say it. Man lives in a body, say it. And man possesses a soul. Let's look at those three aspects together. Spirit, soul, and body. I'm going to show you first the created the created divinely created aspect of God's personality reflected in us here it is mankind's created state spirit soul and body as God created Adam in the Garden of Eden his spirit was the king his soul was the servant and his body was the slave but you know what happened in Genesis chapter 3 Your Bible says man ate of the tree of the knowledge. Knowledge is wrapped up in the soul. Knowledge of good and evil. So what happened in Genesis 3 at the fall of man, man's personality was turned upside down. The spirit which had been the king went all the way to the back of the line. And the spirit became the servant, the slave of the body, the body then the servant of the soul or the mind, which is the king. Do you understand me? We ate of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. We said to God, we no longer desire for our spirit, which came directly from you to control us. No, no, no. We now know things. And the problem with humanity from that moment till this is very simple. We think we know good from evil. And there is no way you can know good from evil except by the Spirit of God living within you. 
So after Genesis 3, now we got our soul in charge. We do everything we do based on what we think about it, what our emotions say about it, how we feel about it, and what our will is concerning. I want out of this marriage because I'm no longer comfortable in this marriage. Oh, you're not saying nothing right now. Your body does whatever your soul says. When your alarm goes off and says it's getting close to noon on Sunday morning. And your stomach starts growling. And your backside is tired of sitting in that pew. And your back feels uncomfortable. Your mind begins to reason. And say we ought to just slip out of here right about now. And your body says, "Uh uh-huh. Because your body is nuts. Just think of the, some of the people you used to date. Your body's crazy. Your body passed by a coconut cream pie. And say, I want them, I want them, I want them. I want the whole thing. And your mind to say, help yourself. No, no, no. Help your fine self. So we're upside down. Touch your neighbor and say, you're upside down. Next. The spirit must be king. Romans 4, 17. Next. The king is the spirit. That's where righteousness is, revelation is, communication with God is, intuition is. That's where your conscience is. Your conscience is not in your mind, it's in your spirit. That thing that automatically tells you right from wrong is not in your mind. Your problem arises when you try to reason what's right and what's wrong. Next. Spirit has a royal nature, Revelation 1, 6. Next. Don't have time to teach them all to you. Your, your spirit is king. It has a priestly nature. Next. The soul is the mind, the intellect, thinking and evaluating. That's what your mind is used for. Next. Your soul is the seed of your emotions, your feelings, your desires, your moods. Gary Smiley, I'll talk to you about that tonight. Next. Your soul is the seed of your will, which is your ability to decide or your volition, what I want to do. You do remember that Satan fell when he said five times in one verse, I will, I will, I will, I will ascend to the heavens. I will make my throne like the throne of God. I will, I will. Christians, you ought to forever lose sight of I will. God does not want a broken will. God wants a submitted will, a will submitted to his word, submitted to his kingdom, submitted to his word. Your will is where you decide. Next. Your body is the slave. Come on. Everybody join me. Come on. Come on. Slap yourself a little bit. Look at you. If I said slap your neighbor, Come on. Slap yourself a little bit. Come on. Your body has to do with what you can touch and what you can taste and what you can smell and your seeing and your hearing. With the soul, we contact the mental and the emotional realm. With our body, we contact the natural and material realm. And with our spirit, we contact God. Shout yes. Yes. Shout yes. Yes. The only way for the created order of human persons triune being to be restored and for the spirit to regain control is for that man or woman to be born again. God intends for our spirit to rule our soul and our body so that we can really begin to live life beyond limits. You're now in this world, but you're no longer of this world. You're an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven on earth. Your citizenship, your identification is no longer bound to this world. You are now a citizen of heaven. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Our citizenship is in heaven. I want to move quickly to the third part of the acronym. The first part 
new life. The second part, a new identity. The third part is the letter F. It stands for fellowship. You know what fellowship is, don't you? Oh, man, come on. Your bodies are screaming right now. I said, you know what fellowship is, don't you? Two fellas in the same ship. Help your neighbor there, honey. They didn't get that. Two fellas in the same ship. Fellowship for Christians also generally refers to our relationships. We, it generally revolves around food, doesn't it? We ain't got no other vices. Can't drink, smoke, wear a cap, or go bareheaded. We just got to... So we eat. We don't have any other vices. First John chapter 1, verse 3 says, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us and fellowship with our Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. As believers, our fellowship is not only vertical with God, our fellowship is supposed to be horizontal with each other. Now, sometimes, sometimes, we need to remember 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You hang with the wrong folk, all kinds of misadventure follows. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says, And they continued steadfastly in four things, the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers. These four things define the fellowship of the first century church. I want us to know apostles' doctrine. I want us to know what we believe and why. And so I had pastoral care make up a list. Here are about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, about a dozen doctrines that we fellowship around. Ushers are passing them down the aisles right now. I want you to take one. I want you to take it home this week, and I want you to study it. This is what we believe. For far too long, we've had nothing but entertainment centers and personality cults and people showing up in church just so we can count the numbers. The children of Israel got in trouble when they went to counting numbers. We ought to be counting not how many are coming, but how many are going. And we ought to know what we believe. I can tell you right now, if you knew one-third of what the TV preachers believe that you support, you'd stop supporting them. You don't know what they believe because they won't tell you. I'm not only telling you, I'm writing it down for you. So we know what we believe and why. Helen Baylor quoted it for you. Amos chapter 3 verse 3 says, Can two walk together lest they be agreed? We may have different tastes and preferences when it comes to food or fashion or music, but one thing we've got to all agree on is what we fellowship around, the truthfulness and the authority of God's infallible word. Shout yes. yes. When we work together, we achieve victory. When we're divided, we fall and we fail. That's the reason the devil works overtime, to make sure we offend each other that we become critical of and cynical about each other. He knows that when we gather with one voice, one heart, that we can overthrow him. We can accomplish the will of God and we will live life beyond limits. Just remember, elder run out here and help me. Stephanie, run, help me. You're not an elder, sit down. I'm just kidding. Run out here, Stephanie. This is what we call a bunch of bananas. Have one. The first banana to leave the bunch gets skin. Are you with me? Man, that's good. I'm hungry. Shut up, flesh. Let me give you the last letter in the acronym. Are you ready? The first one is what? And it stands for life, new life. The second one is identity, and it stands for new identity. The third is 
F and it stands for new fellowship. You got to leave that old bunch of crackheads, naysayers, negative speakers, people satisfied with low level living. If you're going to live life beyond limits. Here it is. The fourth and final aspect of what we have as a result of faith is represented by the E in life. And it stands for a brand new, watch this now, eternity. As believers, we've got to recognize that we have a glorious hope that is far beyond the scope of this present world. Before we were born again, our ultimate destination was eternity, separated from God in a place called hell. Now that we're born again, our eternal home will be with God forever in a place called heaven. Somebody shout yes. yes. Come on, shout yes. yes. Woo! We can... We can and we must rejoice because there's only one thing worse than going to hell. And there's only one thing better than going to heaven, taking somebody with you. Our new eternity does not excuse us from our present mission, which according to Jesus is to be salt and light. The question is, how can we become salty enough that those around us cry out for the living water of the word of God? We must be ready to respond accurately when asked a question concerning our faith. The problem is, most people really want to witness. They just don't because they're consumed by something called fear. In fact, there's a television show about that, isn't there? Fear factor. So uh, here's a little bit about faith factor. Hi, hello. Hi, hello. I am Bo Bogan, and this is Faith Factor. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for joining me on the final episode of this season. Uh, we now I'm about to introduce our contestant who's made it this far. He's passed all the challenges. He's used his faith to move the mountain. He's been to the valley. He's got his breakthrough, his, his uh, financial blessing, his healing. I would like to now introduce Alan Bourgeois. Okay, are you pumped? I am ready to go because my faith has moved the mountains. My faith has got me through the valley. My faith's got my healing and my breakthrough. Don't stop, get your blessing. <laughs> okay, well, are you ready for your final challenge? I am ready. You've used your faith many times. Now, you're going to share your faith. All right? No, I thought I was supposed to eat something. Where are the pig intestines no, no. at? Come on. Buffet, I'm ready. Alan, eat the word. Okay, Wait, now. Okay, we have with us Miss Leslie Cunningham. Huh? Your challenge today will be to share your faith with her. Tell her Jesus loves her. You know what to do. I don't uh, know. 30, Where are the 45 pig judges, ready? Fish 45 eyes. seconds, go. Uh, 40 seconds. Come on, come on, you've moved mountains. Ha! 30 seconds. I'm trying, don't rush me! Jeez. Okay, don't Since scare her, Alan. Uh, 20 seconds. English? You're going to scare her off. Come on. 10 seconds, Alan. Jesus! What? Alan, five, four, three, two, one. I'm, I'm sorry, Alan. Come on. You have not completed the challenge. You did not win. Come on. It's fine. Thank you for joining us.
He's like a whole lot of you. You can buck the buck, but you can't walk the walk. Somebody asked you to pray. Today we're going to break down every barrier of fearful intimidation. I'm going to teach you as I was taught using a little track that's been used for over 40 years as a tool to bring multiplied hundreds of thousands of people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Do you know over 80% of people that receive the born again experience do not receive it in church? They receive it as a result of a track or a book. Over 80%. I'm going to put seven of these in your hand right now. Seven. Everybody gets seven. Quickly. They're in bundles. Everybody takes seven. You're about to have an assignment. The ushers are passing the bundles of seven down the aisles. Seven so that you can have one for every day this week. This little gospel track is called the Four Spiritual Laws. It was developed so that people from any walk of life and with even a rudimentary knowledge of the scriptures could use it to share their faith. Once you get it, you can go through it with me. Law number one. Just as there are physical laws in the universe, so there are spiritual laws that govern your relationship with God. Law number one, very simple. God loves you and offers a wonderful plan for your life. God is love, John 3, 16. God has a plan, John 10, 10. Life and life more abundantly. I'm on page four. Law number two, man is sinful and separated from God. Therefore, he cannot know and experience God's love and plan for his life. Romans 3.23, man is sinful. Romans 6.23, man is separated from God. Law three, Jesus Christ is God's only provision for man's sins. Through him, you can know and experience God's love and plan for your life. Jesus died in your place, Romans 5.8. He rose from the dead, 1 Corinthians 15.3. He is the only way to God, the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. Law number four, we must individually receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Then, and only then, can we know and experience God's love and plan for our lives. John 1, 12, we must receive Christ. Ephesians 2, 8, we receive Christ through faith. John 3, when we receive Christ, we experience a new birth. We receive Christ through personal invitation, Revelation 3.20. Just to agree intellectually that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died on the cross for our sins is not enough. That deals with your mind. Nor is it enough to have an emotional experience. That deals with your soul. We receive Jesus Christ by faith. And then it explains to you. That's one of the greatest illustrations you'll ever see on page 9. With Christ outside the circle of your life and self sitting on the throne. Once we receive Christ, he's on the throne of our life. Self is submitted and everything begins to line up. You can receive Christ right now by faith through prayer. It even gives you the prayer. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my life to receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of the throne of my life. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. The Bible promises eternal life to all who receive Christ. 1 John chapter 5. Now that you've received Christ, Revelation and Colossians say he's come into your life. Colossians says your sins are forgiven. John says you became a child of God. John 5 says you received eternal life. John 10, 10 says, you began the great adventure for which God created you, which is life beyond limits. And the last thing that you need to be sure you do is grow. G, go with God in prayer. R, read God's word daily. O, obey God moment by moment. W, witness your Christ in your life. T, trust God for every detail in your life. H, receive the Holy Spirit. And the last thing, fellowship in a good church. God's word instructs us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. There they are, four spiritual laws. Now you'll recognize after you've filled out your sheet with the sermon, on the opposite side is your assignment for this week. 
Your assignment for this week is to take one of those tracks. At the very minimum, you can leave the track with a good tip at a restaurant. But I encourage you to share that track with somebody every day this week or hand it to them. Give it to them. Over 80% of the people that receive Christ do it as a result of a book or track. And this is one of the most powerful tracks you'll ever receive. And next week when we come in here, bring your report card. Can you imagine 5,000 times 7, 35,000 people can be reached in our city this week through this exercise. Are you ready to do it? Are you ready to do it? I want to give you the results of this church getting beyond its walls. Maple Glen results. 296 people born again in the God Save Our City crusade. 383 families received enough food for a week. 200 volunteers participated. I got a couple of little things I want to share with you. I produced these about two years ago. They're called the Breakthrough Covenant Sword and the Breakthrough Covenant Shield. The Breakthrough Covenant Shield is a book on exactly what we're talking about in these three Sunday mornings. Faith, hope, and love. The Breakthrough Covenant Sword is a New Testament, complete with soul-winning plans, just like the four spiritual laws and the scriptures marked in that New Testament for you to lead anyone to Jesus. It teaches you how to lead a Muslim to Jesus. It teaches you how to talk to a Jehovah's Witness about Jesus. It teaches you how to talk to a Mormon or an atheist about Christ. It's all in there. These books were $20 a piece, that's $40. What I'd like for us to do is pay for that food that we distributed to those families where 300 people got saved. I'd like for you to take these home based on today's message on faith beyond limits, and I'll let you do that for $10. Quickly, a $10 bill in everybody's hand so we can take these home and use them all week long, study them along with your four spiritual laws that we gave you and the handouts that we gave you, study the articles of faith that we put in your hand that tell you that we believe the Bible is given by inspiration of God. We believe that man is sinful. We believe in the virgin birth. We believe in the salvation of the lost. We believe that scriptures ascribe to the Holy Spirit wonderful acts. Ushers have those books. Take them, take them, take them. All right. If the ushers are finished, thank you folks all down here looking for them. God bless you. Have you had a great time at World Harvest Church this morning? Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.